today on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Big vote yesterday did not happen. It was deferred. It was delayed. Motion by Ward 8 Councillor Terry Whitehead to say, hey, hold the fort here. We've heard from a a battalion of people here at Hamilton City Hall. we got to sleep on this. We have to reconvene next Wednesday at City Council and then cast our ballots. Make our voices heard, I, I guess, once and for all on this amended environmental assessment. Joining us now is Ward 8 Councillor Terry Whitehead here on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Terry, how are you? Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us today. So we, we have... Um, uh, just another marathon, grueling session yesterday in which we heard from both sides of the equation for and against the LRT project. Uh, number one, have you recovered? <laughs> we had public works meeting this morning. You never recover from that. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, what took place yesterday is a reflection of what is happening in this community. It's a very uh, divided community uh and clearly a divided council uh so i think what happened last night was a prudent decision uh the reason i moved the motion uh to council is uh one um it's not delaying it because whatever decision we had made yesterday still would have had to be ratified at council anyway right right So, so let's be clear to the listeners there's no delay here second piece is um tired minds don't make great decisions so did you get a sense last night that whether it was emotions or, or people were drained, did you get that sense that, you know, now's not the time to, to make this decision? Well, you know, experience is uh, everything. And we've gone through these processes before, whether it was a stadium debate or other debates, where we spent a long time, uh, a long day listening to uh, delegations. And I can t- tell you, when we started getting into the debate around 11 o'clock at night, the rancor, the emotion, uh, the, the disjointness of the uh, arguments, it was very clear uh, that clear minds uh, were not at play. So last night and yesterday's decision uh, is really, this is too important an issue uh, not to have a fresh and clear mind and digest everything we heard through that day, as well as the answers to the many questions that were asked of staff. Uh, this is the most prudent uh, approach to making an informed decision with a clear mind. Obviously, there's uh, a group of councillors, there's a group of community residents who are for this project. They want to see it uh, come about. They want to see it push forward. On the other side, there's a group of councillors and a uh, you know a group of uh, community residents who do not want this to proceed. They're seeing uh, positives in other things that we can do. At this stage of the game, and, and this has nothing to do with you know the, the motion last night or, or the or the vote next week, but. I, I get the sense that no one's going to change their mind at this point. So there's this group of undecided councillors, or at least a group of councillors that haven't really shown all their cards. This coming week, how much pressure is that group going to be under? Well, I think there's tremendous pressure. I mean, this is a, a significant issue, and I believe that every councillor, and I want to make this clear to your listeners, every councillor, regardless of what side of this uh, um, project you're on, uh This is weighing heavily on their minds. They are truly trying to make the best decision on behalf of the uh, taxpayers of this community. So uh, it it weighs on everybody's mind. I can also tell you that um, uh, if we could have a a do-over, this would not be the plan before us. I can tell you that this plan, especially after going up to uh, Kitchener-Waterloo and looking at how they instituted their plan there, um, 
the, I mean, it was like me walking to the big leagues. So uh, what what are they doing that we're not doing? Our plan is probably the most in, uh, obstructive, intrusive plan that you possibly can have on any road network. Uh, Kitchener-Waterloo did everything they can, could uh, to balance the approach between vehicle traffic and the LRT systems. And even through their downtowns, they split off the uh, into single rails to have the least impact on those uh, business streets. Uh, so they they did an incredible job. And the other thing you need to know, and I you know all the research I have done, there isn't a LRT system that I could find that has been successful. And there's a lot of failures out there. So for whatever people think, there's a lot of failed systems across North America and regards to LRT. And failed as in uh, not producing the economic lift that is being promised with this project? Oh, not just, uh, first of all, uh, that's a fallacy in the economic uplift. Uh, many studies will show you that you may get a shifting of investment along that corridor, but you don't get a net economic lift for the city. It's just a shifting of where investments may go. But those investments are coming here anyway, based on many other factors. So the real issue here is, is it a transit solution? And uh, I can tell you that not going to Eastgate is a fundamental flaw in this plan. When you look at every other successful LRT system, as Kitchener-Waterloo probably will be, they go from a destination location to a destination location. Eastgate is material to this plan to have even a chance of success. Two reasons for that. One, it's a destination location. You can put a park and ride there. But more importantly, the connectivity to the suburbs, the connectivity to the mountain, the connectivity to the blast network that could feed the system to make it viable. And I firmly believe when you take a look at provincial programs that have been funded to date on LRT, 19 kilometers in Kitchener-Waterloo, they just announced, uh, I think it's over 19 kilometers, full 100% funding for BRT in New York. You're looking at the Elgin crossover, 19 kilometers, and yet our original plan was 13 kilometers. And now we're funding an 11-kilometer project. They took a spur line, truncated the original plan from Eastgate, justified by putting this spur line in, canceled the spur line, and haven't reinstituted the original plan to Eastgate. So when I look at the province of Ontario and I look at the city of Hamilton, I say, hang on, how could the province for three kilometers not see this through? And I really believe the pressure's on them to understand that they're treating Hamilton unfairly when it comes to a sustainable and viable plan to see us into the future. Councillor Terry Whitehead is our guest here on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Rick in for Scott today. So, and I know this is the if game, but if LRT went to Eastgate, would your position change? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, like I said, if I, uh, I use this metaphor, I don't know if it works well, but if I uh, was going to a high-end shoe store uh, and I walked out with only one shoe, uh, that wouldn't work very well. Uh, I think that this plan that we're dealing with here today is uh, a, a failed plan without Eastgate in it. And, you know, when people say and suggest, well, you know, this going to the first phase council will get to Eastgate. Look, you only got one crack at this. There is no guarantee that there's going to be these kinds of dollars available in the, in, in the near future or even the far future. So we really have to deal with the reality today. And the reality today is we have an opportunity to make sure the experience of Hamilton and higher order transit is a good experience, a positive experience. 
and it creates vitality and sustainability. The plan, as it is right now in front of us, I don't believe will deliver that. With uh, a go station set for the east end, um, obviously you're not too confident that any kind of extension to Eastgate would be possible. Well, I'm not saying that. I, I think that, uh, and what your listeners need to understand is this process is not just about, um, you know, going through the uh, the bureaucracy and the reports and, and making decisions where train stations or, or, or stops will go. Uh, this really is an ongoing negotiation. I firmly believe that the province is paying attention. I firmly believe that the province has an obligation to fund a responsible and viable plan. They're doing it everywhere else. Why would they refuse to do that here in the city of Hamilton? We're chatting with Ward 8 Councillor Terry Woodhead here on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Rick in for Scott today. Um, the optics around a no vote um, probably is not going to fly too well in in, uh, in Queen's Park. Um, if there is a no vote next Wednesday, how do you think the province reacts? Well, I mean, I'm, don't forget, I work for cabinet ministers and being both at the provincial and federal level. And I can tell you that there's always this uh, nuance, regardless of the politics, you know, the, uh, the icing and the candle, uh, that uh, when you distribute provincial taxpayers' money, and that's from every city, we're the fourth, I think, fourth largest city in Ontario, uh, we have a right for a per, uh, per capita spending. There's a thing called equity. They have a responsibility to ensure that they treat all cities fairly and equitably. So I, there's no question in my mind uh, that they understand that. They understand that Hamilton has money in the pot. The question is, how do we tap into it and how, how we spend it to get the best benefit? So I'm, I, I'm, I'm not uh, one of those people that are bought into the fact that uh, – uh, the billion dollars goes and Hamilton gets nothing. That's garbage. The reality is uh, that's not how government works. They understand the importance of Hamilton in the uh, Ontario economy. They understand the importance of Hamilton as a city. Uh, and clearly, they're not going to abandon us. Now, having said all that, we have an opportunity here, and I hope provincial members are listening. The plan that was supported by council in the last term of council and the term before that went from McMaster to Eastgate. That was not by accident. It was they, the province of Ontario, that truncated the original plan. They funded the original plans in every other community. All we're asking is the province to step up the plate, recognize that the viability of this plan is them to add the additional dollars needed to get us to Eastgate. And for your listeners, when they canceled the spur line, the spur line was estimated a cost of about $120 million dollars. So currently, we have $120 million sitting in the bank. So we just need to make up the differential to get us that over the line and land this plane. Uh, we had Councillor Sam Rula on uh, before the news at 1230, and he's intimating he's not too confident that th- there's going to be a yes vote next Wednesday. If the vote is no, how confident are you that the city of Hamilton can then go to Metrolinx and go to the provincial government and say, we've said no, but... We still want this, but we want it this sort of way. Do you think well, they'd be receptive to that? Yeah, well, I mean, Bram, uh, Brampton uh, said no. And my understanding that the, annou- the new announcement in regards to their new plan is imminent. So when people think that the money it just disappears out of the pot, the way they created the funding was they, sort of, they, they basically determine the needs of the, uh, of the different cities. They, uh, uh, they provide the dollars accordingly, based more or less on per capita spending. 
So for anyone to suggest that the pot disappears and the commitment to uh, uh, providing uh, funds to the city of Hamilton is not there is just being naive. The reality is the money is there. The question is what and how do we, uh, uh, you know, how do we get the money? What, what is the process in getting it and what do we spend it on? I firmly believe my first priority is uh, to have a plan uh, that do not, doesn't put the taxpayers of this community at risk. Right now, the ridership on the B-Line, and I want to make this clear, Rick, so everyone knows, is only 444 peak hour peak direction. If you go to my website, you'll see uh, a live stream clip from Dave Dixon, the former H- uh, HSR director, indicate you shouldn't even look at transit, sorry, um, LRT until you hit 2,000 peak hour peak direction. The estimates from our consultants as of yesterday is that we wouldn't even hit 1,500 by 2031. So if you don't have the ridership, who picks up the tab? The taxpayers of this community. And when you talk about the economic uplift, and I want to focus that on a bit, it's complicated, but let's just say this. There's many reports that would strongly suggest there's no net financial gain to the community. And when uh, the mayor goes out there and suggests there's a wash, that's garbage as well. It, there's no reality. There's, it's no, there's no evidence. There's no empirical data. There's no study. There's nothing that would suggest that's the case. So right now you've got a group out there that's trying to sell something. And they're going to put every positive spin they possibly can and, you know, power to them. But I think there's responsible counsel around the table that needs to cut through the sales job, get right into the facts, and ensure that we understand the benefits and the risks. We're chatting with uh, Ward 8 Councillor Terry Whitehead here on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Sam brought up a good point, and this has been brought up before, the massive amount of infrastructure that we would get through this project. Um, a no vote could erase all that, although you're you're pretty optimistic that we could still get the project we want. Uh, but what if we don't get the project we want and, and we lose out on all that infrastructure money? Yeah, well, you know, that's been as well. Um, Gary Moore indicated very clearly yesterday uh, when he threw the 150... So basically he indicated that we pretty well have new pipe right along that whole corridor. So there's still 80 years life in that pipe. So that means that there's only 20 years used of it. So we're placing pipe that's got 80 years left in it. The actual value, when you tw- uh, discount that by the 20%, the 150, you're talking about a $50 million benefit. And let's be clear, that's pipe that's still slated to last another 80 years. So I'm not exactly sure how this is being spun, but I, I know that you know it started as a transit solution. Then it became an economic solution. And of course, the Canadian Urban Institute uh, did a study and put the economic uplift argument to bed. Basically saying that, you're, you know, you may get 1% increase in assessment well after the impl- uh, implementation of LRT. But they also suggested, and that was from McMaster to Eastgate. This is going from McMaster to the Queenston Circle. And the big tax generator along that corridor that they had identified was the Scott Park Precinct. And as you know, and many of the, your listeners will know, that is no longer going to be used for uh, uh, in, in development because it, they're building a rec center and a, and a school there. They don't generate taxes. So the uplift uh, that has talked about, even the 1% that is very modest, is even questionable in itself. So those are the, those are the facts, and, and the general public needs to understand and know what the actual facts are. And so my job is not just to buy into the unicorn and blue sky, 
It's also to understand uh, all the risk. And you weigh those risks with the benefits, and you make an informed decision. Right now, my job is to make sure that there's plenty of people out there doing the spin on the, on the benefits, but no one's out there talking about the risk. And I feel I have a, a fiduciary responsibility to this community to ensure they understand what those risks are. For sure. Do you uh, get the sense you have enough votes around the table to, um, to, to send this back to say, hey, we, we need to rework this? Well, I'm confident that there's uh, nine to ten councillors that have real concern because they've seen the paperwork, they've gone through the paperwork, they understand the risk. And so to suggest that ten councillors unilaterally don't have a vision for the city is just absolutely nonsense. What they're looking at is the best interest of the community in respect to uh, return on investment. We believe that we need to invest in transit. We believe we need to have a comprehensive transit system in the city of Hamilton. What shape and mode is what is being debated here? And I think that there's a lot of people wondering if the LRT, as this plan is laid out today, is one that is viable and meets the needs of this community, and that is still questionable. Supporters of the project have included some you know, big entities in town, ArcelorMittal DeFasco, McMaster University, that's an obvious one, Hamilton Tiger Cats coming out the other day with a letter of support from owner Bob Young. What does a no vote say to those pillars in this community as well as all the supporters in this community so there's people that uh and, and this happens whether it's red hill expressway or, or whatever the big issue is you will have people i call the establishment uh that uh jump on the bandwagon because it's an investment and it just sounds like good news they they don't have the level of reports that every council that sits around the table have in front of them and some of them are many of them are provincially funded or, 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 or tapping into provincial funds. So certainly they don't want to upset the very people they're relying on. So uh, I, I firmly believe that, yeah, it, you know, it's great to hear from them, um, but that's not enough to uh, sway a decision. Uh, well, what sways a decision is the facts. And I, I, you know, I, I, I put some credence in, in that kind of uh, lobby, but I don't put a whole lot of credence in it because uh, I understand and appreciate there are other wheels within wheels that have uh, brought them to the table. And I'm going to give you an example. Jackson Square. 1950s, the Americans, uh, urban planners, even in Canadian planners, thought this is the greatest approach to re- urban renewal. Everyone had to jump on the bandwagon. And at the same time, the chamber and everyone else back in those days jumped on that bandwagon just as they are right now. I took Dr. Longo, who was a chair of Livable uh, Cities, an international uh, organization. We went for a walk on King Street. He looked at Jackson Square, and the first comment he said to me is, when was this built? And I told him it was built in the early 70s. And he said to me, well, this was part of this whole push for urban renewal by planners across North America. In In the States, in the early 60s, they realized it was a complete failure. Yet we built ours 10 years later. So his lesson to me in that little discussion was don't jump on the bandwagon. Make sure you ask the tough questions and do your due diligence. Far too often decisions are made because you get this force of people jumping on a bandwagon trying to sway you in the decision. And that's happened with what happened with Jackson Square. Terry, appreciate the time. Good luck with the vote next Wednesday and uh, enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.